What's going on, guys? Welcome to yet another episode of The Most Interesting Man in the Room. Looking forward to chatting about today's topic. We're going to talk about social strategy today and how you can leverage some techniques to get some better results out there. I'm actually going to be talking about one of my buddies. I'm going to call him Jay. Jay used to be one of my clients. Now we're homies, but he's doing some solid stuff. He's doing some solid work in this realm. And I would consider him a top performer. He's definitely dangerous. I've uh, gone out with him a couple of times and this guy is no joke. So um, just wanna share some of his strategies with you guys so you can go ahead and apply them to your social and dating life and get some serious good results. I'm also gonna talk about a couple mistakes that guys make. I've found that a lot of people just don't know how to network, doesn't come naturally. And honestly, I don't blame them. I think a big misconception about networking and relationship building and growing your social circle is that it's going to come naturally. Oh yeah. I'll just naturally meet the people that I want to meet and let you make friends. Just go outside and meet, meet people. I wish it worked that way. If it worked that way, we'd all be winning. Right. But of course, as with anything, if you want to be a top player, top performer, you certainly have to know how to finesse certain situations and you have to be smart and strategic. So want to go over some, some things here. Here's the funny part about this story is that Jay has a lot of odds stacked against him. On paper, this guy should be losing. He should by no means be beating out some of you guys with, with this strategy. But I guarantee you he's seeing some solid results that some of you wish you had. And I don't say that as a way to rub it in your face. I'm actually sharing that because I think this is going to give you a lot of hope and it's going to open your mind to what you're capable of doing if you just put a couple strategies into play. So I want to talk about his kind of underprivileged background or, or, the, or the starting point that he's coming from to give you an idea of, of kind of how bad he has it, yet how much he's actually thriving. So a little, about, a little bit about Jay. Jay is from a small city, not even a big city, doesn't have a bunch of options, but he has enough. He's got stuff to work with. So that's obstacle number one. Obstacle number two is Jay is recently divorced and has zero social circle or had zero social circle. He had no wingmen and he had nobody to go out with and nobody to go out and meet women with and just have fun and party with. No like-minded guys to do that with. So essentially he's kind of starting from scratch. And obstacle number three, but obviously this is something that him and I addressed together as, as his coach was his game and, and dating skills and relationship skills were a little bit underdeveloped. So we had to focus on that a little bit so that he could take advantage of, of the opportunities in front of him when they, when they did present uh, themselves to him. But anyway, obviously coming from kind of a, a shaky background, no momentum coming into this, yet he was able to find a couple of ways to thrive. And uh, I want to share that with you so that you can thrive too and we can all be winners together. First off, let's maybe talk about what guys do wrong when they start to go out and meet women and, and develop their social circle. I'm going to start this off with a story. I call this the yoga horror story. And what, what guys end up doing, right, when, when they want to go and meet women is they ask themselves, well, where are the women? For whatever reason, what comes up often is yoga. And it's like advice that's consistently given to, to guys too. It's like, want to meet women? Just go to yoga class, dude. Come on. It's not that complicated. And it's not that easy either though. So what a lot of guys will do is they'll go and insert themselves or put themselves into a, a social situation that they have absolutely zero 
freaking interesting, aka yoga. Now, if you like yoga and, and you want to go do yoga to meet people and meet women, go do it. But only do it if you genuinely actually are passionate about that stuff. Don't do it otherwise. It's a humongous mistake. And people can read when you're in a situation that you're not actually passionate about. And that kind of brings me to my strategy and, and the different strategy. There's really like three strategies you should you should be aware of here. Whenever you're going to be putting yourself into social situations as a way of networking and as a way of growing your circle and as a way of meeting people, the key, there's three keys. There's three things you need to look for to be successful in this. Don't just put yourself in any social social situation. Look for these three things. You ready? Get a paper out. Get a pen and paper out. So first, it has to be long-term. You have to pick an environment and an activity that you're actually going to stick to for a minimum of three to six months. Minimum. So don't bullshit yourself and go to a yoga class if you can't actually stick to it and you actually don't care. You have to be able to do this long term because one thing to note about social networking and, and meeting people in a new environment is that you actually have to be comfortable in that environment to be confident in it. And it takes a little bit of exposure and time to gain that confidence and gain that comfort in your new environment. Over time, for example, one thing is that one of the things I did is in San Francisco, I, there's a, a tremendous amount of clubs and bars and events I can go to. Once I found out the ones that I really enjoyed most, I stuck to those. So I would eventually, so that I could gain confidence and comfort in that environment and kind of make it my own. I would start getting very confident in it. And in a way, it made me sort of like a social leader in that environment. And people picked up on that pretty well. Even if it was a big and crowded place, I had this, this vibe that I belonged there. And you got to be able to stick to something long term to get that, that benefit as well. It must be as if you belong in that environment and you can't do that by sticking to something short term. So that's key number one. As you pick something, be mindful and ask yourself, can I actually stick to this long term? Which brings me to the second strategy, the second point here, which is no, you can't stick to something long term unless you are passionate about it, right? You actually have to want to be there. You have to be passionate about it. I picked up surfing, for example, for a couple of months because one of my buddies got me into it. I thought it'd be cool. I thought it would help me develop a great relationship with him, which it did. I also thought it would make me look cool, right? To tell people, yeah, you know, I do some surfing on the side. I surf on the weekends and I have a big surfboard in my room. I still do. I just don't use it as much, but people definitely notice it. And, you know, it kind of does actually have that kind of cool effect on people. Here's the problem. I couldn't stick to it long-term. I hated doing it. I was not passionate about it. And I never took the time to learn more about it or grow deeper in it. As a result, when I was out on the, on the beach or in the ocean trying to catch a wave, a lot of the people, there's actually a lot of people out there also trying to do the same and, and surf and learning and, and who are a part of it and who actually give a shit about it. But I found that I could never even talk to them or build a connection with them because I just didn't give a shit. I didn't care. It just wasn't for me. Eventually, I stopped doing it. I actually found a, a couple more hobbies that, I, that more so aligned with me and that I was actually interested in, such as biking, road biking, and, and cycling. So whatever you end up picking, you must be actually passionate about it. 
I, for example, I was a part of a meditation class for about a year and a half. And I ended up meeting a woman there who I actually dated for, dated for a couple months. And I made some long-term, long-term friends there as well. But it was only because I was able to stick to it for a long period of time, even though meditation isn't traditionally a social hobby. So whatever you do, make sure you can stick to it long-term and make sure you're passionate about it because that's what's going to fuel that long-term or that longevity and activity. The last point here as as you're looking to insert yourself in in a new social situation is, or a new social hobby rather, is it must it must have a, a social component to it. That's definitely just as important, right? Now, there's caveats to this because you can argue that if you're passionate about something enough, you'll actually naturally attract people who are also passionate about it, which I do think is true. For example, in my meditation class, there wasn't much talking and there wasn't that many people involved in it. It was a small community. It was a small weekly class. Yet we, um, I was able to network and branch out through that network or through that circle. And that was driven because of the passion. So there's definitely a degree of passion that's going to help fuel the social aspect of it, where you'll naturally find people like-minded and, and who, who also enjoy the same things as you. But you traditionally want to keep, you want to make the hobbit, or sorry, the hobbit, the hobby, you want to make sure it has a social component. I'm going to give you a quick example. Running. Running can be a very lonely sport or a lonely hobby where you just go outside and you run by yourself. But it can also be extremely social. I was a part of a social running club here in San Francisco for several months. Again, developed a solid network through it, made some awesome friends, including a CEO of a a gym here. And it's just an example of how you can make something social or include a social component to it. I could have just ran alone. I I liked running. I I liked fitness. I I still do. I could have definitely just done it solo. But if meeting people and building your network is important for you, you got to learn to look for that social component in your hobbies as well. So if you can stick to something long-term, if you can make, if, if it's something you're passionate about and it has a social component, if it checks off all of those three check marks, chances are you've just found a golden goose opportunity and you should 100% attempt to involve yourself in it and pursue it. Don't do something that you can't stick to long-term. Don't do something that that you aren't truly passionate about or curious about. It isn't going to work. People will will recognize it. I believe it or not, I I did try the yoga thing. I tried it for a couple days. And what what I actually discovered is that I didn't, first of all, I didn't even feel, I didn't feel like I fit in. And that led to insecurity and that led to me not even being able to spark any conversations despite being surrounded by women. I made absolutely zero connections there. But in my hobbies that were less, where there were less people exposed, such as the social running club or or the meditation club, where on paper I shouldn't have met people, I actually ended up meeting more people. I'm making some serious connections purely because I was truly passionate It was authentic to me, and I was able to develop confidence in that environment over time. Now, going back to the story of my my buddy Jay, ex-client Jay, buddy. So long story short, as we discussed, he's got a bunch of of things that are are going against him, right? Recently divorced in the social circle, kind of learning game, but not quite where he wants to be yet. And yet he's thriving, right? Here's what he ended up doing, and I thought it was awesome. 
he actually hired a comedy coach to help him with stand-up comedy, something that he's been dabbling in for a couple of years, but never really taken seriously. And they are starting to rehearse a couple of routines so that when this whole COVID situation is over, Jay is ready to go and hit the comedy club and unleash his jokes on the audience. And I thought, man, that is, do you recognize what you're doing here, man? You've just inserted yourself in an awesome social opportunity with a lot of opportunity for growth, and it's going to expose you to a ton of people. What's a better way? He's, a, he's actually even probably going to develop a group of, a set of groupies who are going to, right? Like if you've ever attended a comedy or improv show, what usually ends up happening is the, is the people who went up on stage and who delivered jokes are usually the same people that, you know, there's usually an after party at a bar around the corner and everyone wants to go and meet them. And it's a great way to develop your social circle. And I was telling him this, I'm like, dude, this is great. It's great because first of all, it's going to expose you to more people. You're going to be able to grow your network. And secondly, it's something that you truly like and you truly enjoy and you're passionate about. You've already been dabbling in it for months. Now you're stepping it up to the next level and actually going to go and do it live. And you've hired a coach. You're going to have extreme confidence in that environment. People are going to recognize it and they're going to want to meet you. Such a good opportunity. It's going to be incredible. And I think that first of all, who would suggest that? Yeah, go join a, a comedy club. It's going to be a great opportunity. That's the beauty of it. It's unique to him. And generally, if I was to give that advice to everyone, hey man, you should go do comedy as a way of meeting people. It's not going to be a good fit for everyone. It'd be terrible general advice to give to you guys or to anyone who's interested in developing their social circle or meeting more people. Terrible advice. But you have to consider what your passions are and what you can stick to long-term and what has a social component. And all of a sudden you can come up with new ideas and strategies that are gonna be a good fit for you. And that's what matters. What's gonna be a good fit for you that you can capitalize on for many, many, many months to come. And if you can follow those guidelines that we discussed, you're gonna come up with a two or three different social hobbies that you can active that you can start right away and that you can start engaging yourself in in the, in the next coming months. Obviously, I know that during this time and as I record this, COVID is going on, so there's some limited aspects to this, but definitely something for you to noodle on and contemplate on and think about so that you can start developing your bulletproof strategy, right? Your bulletproof social strategy. So with that said, that's really all I have to go on this. Go find your golden goose, baby. Comedy club might not be good for you. It's good for Jay. He's going to be crushing it. He's already crushing it. And, uh, and, and I hope that you, you learned something from this and that you can go ahead and apply these skills too. What I love about this is that anyone can do it. It's an easy strategy. Just uh, stick to those three guidelines and you're going to be good to go. All right, guys. Have a great day. Hey, man. That's it for today's episode. I appreciate you tuning in. I hope you found it useful and immediately applicable to your day-to-day life. Just a heads up, after every podcast, I like to host an AMA or an Ask Me Anything on my Twitter account. So after this, go directly to my Twitter profile. My username is Snap Social Guru, and check out the pinned tweet. In that pinned tweet, you can ask me any questions or thoughts that you had about today's podcast, and I'll go ahead and answer them directly. I'm happy to help. Cheers, guys.